Well, I told you this is gonna be the biggest series I've ever been part of, but I bet you didn't think we'd start it here. But we're gonna start talking today about bondage, the feeling of being incarcerated. You know, bondage is something that is felt. Um, I've never been behind bars before, so I can tell you right now, it's a freaky feeling. The closest thing I've ever been to this is getting sent to the principal's office in the fourth grade. But just even standing here in this cell, there's a feeling of claustrophobia. And I don't know if you deal with claustrophobia like I do, but I can tell you, just the, just the thought of claustrophobia can send me into a panic attack. You know, the problem with being behind bars for people who are really in jail or in prison is that they can't connect with the people that they love. They might want to connect, but there are bars that get in the way. And they, they don't get to enjoy life because they're inside and trapped by bars. And for the people who are behind prison bars, they can't fulfill their destiny. Well, there are a lot of people that are watching me or listening to me today and you would say, but Mark, I, I'm not in jail, but I don't feel free. And here's the thing, if you're in a bondage today, you have the same issues that someone has who would literally be behind these bars. You can't connect with the people you love, you don't get to enjoy life, and worst of all, you can never fulfill your God-given destiny. See, the truth of the matter is, not all jails have bars. There are people who can live in million dollar homes and they're just as incarcerated spiritually as I am behind these bars physically today. The truth of the matter is, most of the people I meet, even in our affluent culture, are in some kind of bondage. So that's why I'm bringing a series called Free To Be Me. For the next five weeks, we're going to explore what it would mean to experience real freedom. And the thing that has gotten me so excited is I'm gonna be able to share with you that real freedom is often found in the last places we would expect. In fact, some of the experiences that we fear the most are the very catalysts that allow us to experience freedom. Now here's the thing, if you feel that you're trapped today, if you feel like life has incarcerated you, you're not behind literal bars, but spiritually and emotionally, if you feel like you're behind bars, chances are there are two statements that you can say very honestly. And the first one is the obvious one, I'm not free. But our series is called Free To Be Me. It's that second statement that I think many of us would also have to say. Not only I'm not free, but I'm not me. In other words, we've tried to become so many things to so many different people, we don't even know who we are. Psychologists call it the false self. They talk about building the false self. And, and see, here's where the problem lies. When, when we're not who we really are, when we're not the person that God made us to be, and we seek freedom for that false person, it makes us two steps removed by being free to be the person that God has made us to be. You know, the weird thing about this, there are actually people in literal jail cells today who are there because of their false self. They lived a secret life. And now, because they lived a secret life in, in emotional and spiritual bondage, they're actually in physical bondage today. I mean, just the name OJ. I mean, I gotta tell you this, for all of you who, who only know OJ from the last 23 years, if you didn't know OJ before the murders, I gotta tell you this, he was one of the most likable human beings in the country. I mean, not only was he a successful football star in college and the pros, but he was in the movies, he was in the commercials. Everybody wanted OJ to endorse their product because really, to be honest with you, before all that bad stuff went down, OJ seemed to be one of the most likable people in the country. But today when we think about OJ, we think about a horrible person. Clearly, he was one person on the outside, but he was behind bars on the inside, and now he's literally behind bars. 
You know, I was watching a television sometime back and I was watching one of these true life crime shows and I was working on something. I had my computer out and the television was just sort of in the background. And so being ADD like I am, you know, you can do two or three things at one time. So while I was working on this project. I was listening in the background to the story and I picked up enough to know that it was the story of some minister in Kansas City who had had an affair with a woman and he had murdered her husband. Well, I mean, at that point, I not only was shocked by the story since I am a pastor and I was horrified that that might happen. But as I begin to hear the details of the story, it got really freaky. You see, 16 years ago, I did a conference for that church. I didn't know the pastor very well, but he had asked me to come in and speak on a weekend. I never will forget that he asked me to come in a day early. And so Mary Alice and I drove up to Kansas City. And on that Saturday that he'd asked me to be there early, he just wanted to get to know me and he wanted me to play golf. And so he had set up a golf outing and he had said to me when I got to the golf course, I want you to meet a friend of mine and I want you to, I want you to, I want you to ride in his cart because I'd like for you to invest in his life. As I sat there and watched that television show, I realized that the pastor who was now in jail was the pastor I'd gone to speak for. And the man who rode in the golf cart with me well, that was the man he murdered. You know, I look back on both of those stories and I wonder what would have happened if those two guys, before their false selves went rogue, what if they had reached out to God and said, God, I have a problem, I'm not free. And worse than that, I'm not me. Well, <laughs> the good news for me is I don't have to stay behind these bars. Uh, Cedric County and our friends there have made this available to us and a big shout out to them. But you know, the good thing for me is, is I can walk out of here and I can go home tonight and I can be with Mary Alice. You see, here's the thing about this series. God wants you to be free and he wants you to be the person that he made you to be. He wants you to experience freedom being your true self. And that's what we're gonna talk about for these five weeks. You know, I'm not one that tries to get you to say things out loud, but I want you to say something at least in your spirit. I want you to say two statements. First of all, God made me to be me. Could you just say that? I mean, you don't have to say it out loud. I, I never want to embarrass you at New Spring or if you're watching online or on television. But would you just say that for a moment? God made me to be me. And now the second statement. God made me to be free. God made me to be free to be me. Well, if God wants us to be free, the question is, how do we become free? Well, that's what the whole series is going to be about. But let's make a start today by talking about three keys to understanding how to be free. And the first one is, we're going to have to understand our bondage. You know, a lot of people have the feeling, if I can have everything I want, if I can do anything I want to do, if people will be whatever I want them to be, then that is freedom. But what happens to the people who get to live like that? I mean, the people who do get to do whatever they want because they have enough money or fame, the people who can get people to do whatever they want. Well, there's one word that comes to mind, and that's the word tabloids. So then, if having everything we want and doing anything we want to do and getting people to do whatever we want them to do doesn't add up to freedom, what's the answer? And how do I understand my bondage if the things that I think would make me free actually lead to more bondage? Well, there's a key word that I want us to focus on today as we understand the bondage that we feel. And that's the word cravings. Now here's where it gets a little complicated, so, so hang with me. 
you really have three sets of cravings that you're dealing with in your life. First of all, you have your body's cravings. Now those are, those are easy. We, we crave food and water, rest, sex. Those are just things that our body craves and we get that. But when we get to the soul, it's a little more complicated because the soul is really two parts. There's the shadow that we see that is left over from what God made us to be. And then there's what the Bible calls the flesh or the dark side. And there are two sets of cravings there that get us in trouble. Now, when we talk about the soul of the person that God made us to be, we crave identity, we crave purpose, we crave freedom. All of those are beautiful and elegant and that's what we're gonna be talking about seeking. But our dark side, the part of us that the Bible calls the sin nature, it craves power, it craves instant gratification, it craves shortcuts. So when you think about your soul, the person that God originally created us to be, but the person that sin has made us to be, let me ask you a question. Which set of cravings do you think is gonna cry out louder? The soul that's crying out for identity and purpose and freedom, or the dark side that cries out for power, instant gratification, and the shortcuts of life? I don't know about your life, but it's that group that I just talked about that cries out the loudest. I mean, I want, I want to get what I want, I want to feel it now, and I would like for people to do what I want them to do. And if there's a shortcut to success, I want to take that shortcut. The only problem is when we go after power and instant gratification and shortcuts, that's what brings us into bondage. And we don't get to live out that identity, purpose, and freedom. Well, there's one more problem. Not only do we have part of us that's dark and craves things that eventually put us in freedom, we have an enemy who also wants to exploit those cravings of the dark side. One place we really see that clearly is in Luke chapter four, where Satan comes to tempt Jesus. In fact, Jesus is human at that moment. He is God and human at the same time, God in skin. He has come into our world to live the life that we can't live and die on the cross to pay for our sins. And Satan knows he has an opportunity, if he can get Jesus to fall then, to have complete control. So he offers Jesus three deals. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and he was hungry. And so Satan says to him, hey, command these stones to be made bread. In other words, instant gratification. And Jesus says no and he quotes scripture. And then he takes him up to a high place and he says, hey, throw yourself over the side of the building and that'll impress people. And everybody will look at you and say, wow. And Jesus said, no, I'm not gonna do that. And he quoted scripture again. And then the third time, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Now here in Wichita, you're gonna to have to use your imagination. But he was able to show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, not only at that time, but in the past and the future. And he said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms of the world, but work with me. If Jesus had taken that deal, wouldn't he have still been in bondage? Because after all, he would still be worshiping Satan. So what we can see is that we have cravings, and if we, if we follow the cravings of the dark side, we may feel like freedom is there, but all we're headed for is more bondage, more chains, more bars. Well, as we've been discussing, it's really important to understand what it is that puts us in bondage and to understand that bondage. But the truth be told, the most important thing I'm gonna share with you is the second concept. And that is that we have to be liberated by ourselves, no matter how well we understand 
our bondage. We cannot set ourselves free. You know, it's interesting, right after Jesus fouled off all those toxic pitches that Satan threw at him, he had a talk that he gave to the people. And this also is in Luke's Gospel, chapter four. Right after Jesus pushed Satan aside, he said these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Man, I love those words. Jesus came into our world to set us free from all kinds of bondage. And that's true whether you're in what I would call white collar bondage. And by that, I mean, you're sort of in a good lifestyle, but deep down inside, you're living with the bondage that you know about and no one else knows about. Or whether you're in a painful, ugly public bondage. The important thing is that Jesus has still come to set captives free and he's come into our world to set you free. We read over in the Gospel of John chapter eight, and these words are so important to me, and really, as I think about this series, um, I think probably these are the words I want to share with you most in this first sermon. In John chapter eight, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the Son, that's Jesus, sets you free, you're truly free. Think about that. Jesus has said, you know, servants, in those days, unfortunately, slavery was a part of life. Servants would come and go. And when they were no longer useful to the people that they served, those people might cast them out of the house without anything else for them to live on. But Jesus said it doesn't work that way for a kid because a kid always belongs in the house. Jesus said, anyone who serves sin, that means anyone who puts sin in their lives so much so that after a while they become in bondage to that sin, Jesus said, that person becomes a slave to sin and they're not going to remain forever. But Jesus said, anyone that the Son sets free becomes a child of God and because of that, they can live in freedom forever. So whatever else we learn in this series, and we've got so much to learn, it all starts with this, we have to be liberated. We have to have that moment where we come by faith, spiritually bankrupt to Jesus Christ, and we ask him to set us free. Man, I love being in the Flint Hills. Flint Hills are so beautiful. I mean, it's like everywhere you look, there's open space. And for me, that's how I wanna experience life. I don't wanna experience life behind bars or claustrophobic. I want to experience life where horizons and vistas are wide open. And that's what Jesus does. When he comes into your life, he makes it possible for you to see possibilities that you never dreamed of before. And now I want to talk about the third important understanding for being free. And that is this. And, and really all I'm going to do today is get us started because each week we're going to look at different illustrations of this third important point. And it's this. Prepare for episodes of liberation that come in disguise. See, here's the thing. I think that most of what we're going to experience in life by the grace of God that opens the door to freedom, most of those events we may look at as negative at first. What's odd about that is often the very, the very elements and experiences that a lot of people think will bring freedom don't bring freedom, they bring bondage as we've already discussed one of the most popular messages of our age, and our kids really get inundated with this, is follow your dream. Now, I'm not knocking that. I mean, 
everyone should have a dream. And, and dreams are fine. I think better advice would be dream smart. But you know, all my life I've read biographies of great people. You know what I've discovered? Great people usually don't become great because they followed their dream. They became great because of something else. They became great because they leveraged their adversities. They leveraged their setbacks. These are people who experienced difficult things in life and they didn't let it stop them. In fact, they took those difficult occurrences and they used them as stepping stones. Now I'll tell you why I feel like it's so important, not only for us to get this, but for parents and grandparents, it's so important for us to give this to our kids. You know, oftentimes a famous athlete will come in and speak to a group of kids and he'll give a follow your dream speech. Hey, I always wanted to be in the NFL. And so I followed my dream and I, I lived out my passion and hey, look at me, I'm living out my dream. You too can follow your dream. But you and I both know there are limited slots in the NFL. Or there's some you know, famous actor who will come talk to a group of kids and she'll say, you know, it was always my dream to be an actor on, on the stage or in the movies. And I followed my dream and guess what? Here I am in Hollywood. Well, there are limited slots in Hollywood too. And I fear for that. I, I'm concerned that many of us are, are training our kids and setting our kids up for, for disappointment. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have dreams, but here's the thing. Every single one of us can learn the lesson of taking the hardships of life and not letting them make us quit, but instead understanding that God may utilize those very difficult moments that we wouldn't choose in a million years. He can take those difficult moments and he can use them to bring about our freedom. There's a story that I've loved through the years. Honestly, I don't know if it's true or not. It's a story that gets passed around in martial arts. But it's a story about a young kid who lost his left arm in an automobile accident. And his parents wanted to make life as normal as they possibly could. So they asked him, you know, what is it you would like to do? And he said, according to the story, I would like to learn judo. Well, his parents were nervous about that, but they were well-to-do and they got him the very best judo instructor they could get him. And they said to this instructor, we don't know if you can do anything with our son, but he desperately wants to learn judo. And so the teacher, the old master, began to work with him and over and over and over, every session, he just taught him one move. That's all he ever taught him, one move. After about six months of that, the kid said to him, since I, aren't you ever going to teach me anything else? The teacher said, nope, just gonna teach you this one move. It's all you'll ever teach. Well, the time came for them to enter a tournament. And the kid, having mastered that one move, goes into the first round, he quickly wins. He wins the second round. Third round, finals, a little tougher, but he wins that. Later on, he goes to a big tournament and he gets into the finals, really overmatched against a much bigger kid. And the kid really is getting the best of him, so much so that the referee is about to stop the fight. But the teacher says, no, let it go on. And after a few moments, the larger guy, he kind of had a mental blank, kind of lost concentration, and the kid pulled his move and won the match. Now on the ride home, according to the story, the kid turned to his teacher and said, Sensei, please tell me why I won that match. And the old teacher said, well, the first thing is you perfected one of the most important moves in judo. And he said, the second thing is, the only known defense for that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. And whether that story's true or not, I know one thing, I know it's true in life that if you don't let your adversities and difficulties and embarrassments and pain and setbacks, if you don't let those stop you, but rather understand that those may be the very things that God brings into your life to bring about freedom, well then you can truly live out 
maybe not your dream, but God's dream for you. And that's far better, as I've discovered. What we're looking for in this series is freedom. Not just the kind of freedom that the world talks about, where for a little while you can live where you want to live, do what you want to do, and drink what you want to drink, be with who you want to be with, because as we've already seen, that doesn't lead to real freedom. I'm talking about the kind of freedom where you can live out your life in such a way that when you get to the end of this life, you'll look back and say, wow, it was a great trip. I got to do what God wanted me to do. That is real freedom. You know, a few minutes ago, we said, the only way to be free is to be set free. And the wonderful news about that is that Jesus is available and he's waiting. In fact, the Bible tells us that God loves you so much that he came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ. And he lived a perfect life. I mean, he lived that life that you and I could wish that we could live, but we don't and can't. But he, he lived that life for us, and then he took that perfect life. And then he laid it on a Roman cross. And the Bible says that they nailed him there, and he hung for six hours, and he bled and died for your sins and mine. Isn't that interesting? He was fastened to a cross. In fact, he took all of our bondage at that moment when he was bound on the cross so that you and I could be set free. And then three days later, he arose from the grave. And right now, God has a promise for you. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hey, he came into the world to set you free. And maybe you've had a lot of bad things happen to you. And as we'll discuss over the next few weeks, God is able to leverage those things even for your future. But right now, let's just stop for a moment and think about the cross of Jesus. How that he died for us on the cross, paid the price for us in order that we might be everlastingly free. And he makes the promise that anyone who calls can be forgiven and set free. You could do that right now today, wherever you are, whether you're watching in one of our worship centers or online or on television, you can make that decision. Hey, I wanna pray a prayer with you. These aren't magic words, these are words that just call out to God. But if you wanna pray with me, you can make the biggest decision of your life. You can be set free. Follow me in this prayer, please. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you love me. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I believe he arose from the grave. I want to experience true freedom. I want to be set free. Please forgive me. Bring me into your family. In Jesus' name I pray.